Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. The Gospel reading this morning is about Jesus' second coming. There's been some obvious um, debate about the nature of the signs that Jesus is speaking of. He was actually speaking in the context of the destruction of Jerusalem. He was talking about the coming destruction of the temple, and it was in the course of this discourse that Jesus begins talking about all these other fantastic signs and wonders. But it seems like Jesus is talking both about the coming destruction of the temple and the coming of something greater in the future. This is a discourse that Jesus is giving after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. When he was on his way to Jerusalem, people were laying down palm branches and their coats in the road, and he was riding on a donkey, and he was fulfilling this prophecy that people knew about, and people were you know, celebrating him as the coming Messiah. This looked like this is what we were waiting on. And a lot of Pharisees and teachers were saying, don't you, shouldn't you stop these people from saying this? You're basically acknowledging that you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, you know, this is, uh, this is exactly what I have come to do. And the inability of the Pharisees to recognize the time that they were in, the moment that was before them, is what inspires Jesus to look at Jerusalem as he gets near it and to cry over it. He realizes as he's entering into Jerusalem, inaugurating the last leg of his ministry on earth and preparing to go to the cross, that Jerusalem, its temple, all of its leaders, does not recognize what's happening to it. And after weeping for Jerusalem and later in that week teaching the people about what's going to happen to the temple, which did happen to the temple in 70 AD when the Romans surrounded the city, broke into it, and tore down the temple stone from stone, just like Jesus said would happen. He also tells them, there is a coming fulfillment of your salvation, and there will be signs preceding it that you need to look out for so that you're ready. This seems to be the nature of Jesus' coming in general. Warning us to prepare for it, weeping over ill preparation, cleansing and separating out those who are prepared from those who aren't. We see that Jesus does this immediately when he enters Jerusalem. He goes into the temple and he cleans out all the people behaving inappropriately there. And then finally, the tearing down of what was there in order to establish a new order. That's what he prophesied would happen to the temple after uh, to clean up, to finish, to, to finalize visually so the people would know what he accomplishes on the cross, which is the establishment of a new order, the final sacrifice, so that no other sacrifices ever have to happen. So Jesus, when he comes, warns for preparation, weeps over those ill-prepared, cleanses and separates the good from the bad, and tears down the old in order to establish a new. This is our call in Advent. This is the season for our preparation. 
And these are the things that we ought to be doing as well. And that we ought to recognize that Jesus is going to accomplish in us when he comes again in all of his glory. But today we are preparing for Jesus coming in a very immediate, tangible, physical, sacramental way. We are preparing for the sacrament of the Eucharist. And this is the sacrament not just of his first coming. It does instantiate historical, his historical sacrifice. It makes it present again. What he did on the cross when we pray the prayers and uh, confect the Eucharist, we are bringing Jesus' sacrifice on the cross into our moment. That's his first advent. But we're also sacramentalizing his second advent. We're also making present his second coming because this is a foretaste of the feast of the Lamb that we read about in Revelation. So this is a massive moment for us, the preparation to meet Jesus in his body and his blood so that we consume it and he enters into us. It's both his first and second advent made sacramentally present to us. And so the preparation that we uh, need for this moment, we ought to take seriously. Because this preparation is what makes us ready to meet Jesus, unlike Jerusalem was not ready. So preparation for us in order to be ready, unlike Jerusalem was, means confession of our sin. It means spiritual and moral effort, um, living a life of prayer, living a life of love and service to others, and also recognizing who visits us. Now, in order to recognize Jesus, you actually have to know something about Jesus. Those who recognize Jesus knew the signs of his coming. They knew what the Messiah was supposed to be, and they recognized him. We see several people in the gospel stories who recognize Jesus and many who don't recognize Jesus for who he is. When the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her what's going to happen, she isn't surprised by the news. She is concerned about her role in it, probably out of humility and uh, just a desire to know, since she was a consecrated virgin to the temple, uh, how am I supposed to be giving birth exactly? And the angel reassures her that God will accomplish this. And she says, oh, wonderful. Then be it done to me according to your word. But she wasn't surprised by the concept. She recognized her Lord as soon as he entered her womb. When she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, recognized that Mary was the mother of who? Her Lord. And even the six-month gestated baby John in the womb of Elizabeth recognized Jesus for who he was. When Jesus was born in a manger, the shepherds recognized who he was because they had been told. When Jesus was brought to the temple, Simeon recognized who he was. The prophetess Anna recognized who he was. Lepers recognized who he was. Sinful Tax collectors recognized him. Romans, who weren't even Jewish, recognized him. But a lot of the teachers and Pharisees and scribes in Jerusalem didn't recognize him. So recognizing Christ involves a lot of things. 
spiritual preparation, but also a degree of um, knowledge, knowledge of the scriptures, knowledge of God's plan. And if we don't rightly discern Jesus, if we don't rightly discern what's happening in the Eucharist, who we're encountering and how we're encountering him, then that's trouble. One saint who we celebrate today recognized Christ and knew him for who he was. In fact, his zeal for the correct knowledge of God was so great that there's a pretty remarkable story about his wanting to defend that knowledge. That saint is St. Nicholas, whose feast day this is. At the first council of the church in 325, called by the Emperor Constantine, there was a debate about the nature of who Jesus was. There was a bishop named Arius who believed that Jesus was a great man, a great teacher, even a great powerful being, but that he was a being, that he was created by God as the greatest of all the creatures, but created. St. Nicholas knew that Jesus was not created by God, but was born from God before the world was ever made, before anything was made. Jesus comes from God, not created, because Jesus is God, just like his father. Now, this is a really, really important thing to know, because if Jesus isn't fully God, then that means it wasn't God who came to save us, right? It means God sent somebody else, some creature. It means God made some creature to come and, and try to bring us to God. But how could a creature bring us all the way to God? Only God can bring us all the way back to himself. That's why it's so important to believe that Jesus is fully God. And St. Nicholas knew this. And with this on the line, with the whole church there to figure out what is the nature of Jesus, because there were a lot of people who were with the Bishop Arius who thought Jesus was just a creature. With so much on the line, with Arius standing up in front of all these other bishops and proclaiming, speaking much better than I can speak right now, compellingly that Jesus is just this creature, St. Nicholas, in a rage, got up, walked over to him, slapped him on the face and said, no, <laughs> Jesus is God. This shocked all the other bishops and they said, uh, Nicholas, that wasn't very appropriate. Um, maybe you need to sit this session out. But later that night, so many other of the bishops had a dream of Jesus saying, it's okay, Bishop Nicholas was right to do this, that they let him back in the, the rest of the council. That's how important it was for the church to get this right. Now, Arius was zealous about what he was teaching. He probably loved Jesus in his own way, but Arius's zeal and love was not based on knowledge. And as Paul says of the Jews of his day, they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And the proverb in uh, Proverbs 19:2 says, zeal without knowledge is not good, not good. So Nicholas fought for truth. He had zeal too, but he also had the knowledge. Nicholas wasn't an academic theologian. He was an active bishop, a servant, a giver. He was filled with joy. He lived a life of happiness and joy and humility. And that's what informed his knowledge of Christ. He didn't just sit around studying the Bible because he was a theology nerd. He studied 
the truth because he loved the truth. He loved God. There are so many other stories of Nicholas and his zeal and love for God, but I wanted to highlight the one where Nicholas was showing us how important it is to know about God because knowledge of God is something we are all responsible for. We're responsible to learn. We need to have the zeal to live well too, to be um, active in our holiness through our self-examination of our sins and repentance, service to others, if possible in secret, preferably, but also in studying because head knowledge informs our heart knowledge and vice versa. So study is important. Don't take it for granted. Open your Bible and read it. Learn what there is to learn about God so that you can recognize him rightly. Let's follow the advice of Nicholas. Let's follow his example and learn about God so that when uh, the truth is challenged, we stand up for it. And our life is informed by that knowledge of God. And all of our love and service and zeal for God is aimed in the right direction. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.